0: Hello, and welcome to the Belmont Story Project. My name is Paul Boghossian, and I'm a longtime family friend of Mary Ann and Eddie Kazanjan. Uh, Mary Ann is a native of Belmont, has lived here all of her life, and she's been married to Ed Kazanjan, my close friend, for 48 years. And it's my pleasure to interview them today on their early memories of Belmont. Mary Ann, why don't we begin? What are your early thoughts on growing up in Belmont?
1: I would have to start with uh, the neighborhood school, which is my earliest memory, attending Daniel Butler School, walking through Pequasset Field, and uh, with my best friend, Janice Tuttle, who lived on Bartlett Ave. We walked together to school, right up to high school. Um, But we also would walk home for lunch. There was no cafeteria, so uh, in the winter months, we would eat in the classroom uh, outside of that, back and forth each day through Percocet Field. Um, I remember just being so anxious to get to school early uh, before the start so that we could meet up with our friends and play kickball and dodgeball, all organized on our own with uh, neighborhood families. Um, I would say I almost felt like I was in, living in an Italian ghetto because it was the Fabianos and the Crisofullis and the Romeos right. and the Sansonitos and the Seras and the Deandrias. Uh, with the Weatherby family which uh, right. was well known uh, also in that area and we'd have uh, art and music teachers coming into the classroom Miss Bunting and Mr. Plummer uh, and probably every two to three months if we were lucky they would make an appearance um, and our wonderful principal was Mr. Merton Bazoyan, and I remember specifically teachers having to leave if they married
0: mm. Do you remember that we used to, uh, I, I went to the Butler School as well, and I remember vividly those memories. Uh, do you remember that we used to take a break during the day? I think we used to go home at 12 noon and walk home, and then we would come back in the afternoon after we had lunch at home.
1: Right, right. Do you remember those days? Yeah, that's, yeah exactly, mm-hmm. except for the winter months right. when we would eat in the classroom.
0: That's right, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you remember about your teachers at Daniel Butler?
1: Um, I can remember them all. Uh, They were all lovely and gracious, starting with Miss Williston, and I believe Williston Street might be named after her family uh, in Cushing Square. She was the kindergarten teacher. Um, I remember going to school not speaking a word of English because I was raised in an Armenian-speaking home, and I cried for months, uh, the teacher would tell my mother, because I didn't understand what was going on. Um, But that uh, quickly changed. (laughs) Hmm. And um, so it was uh, all uh, wonderful, good experience and memories at uh, Daniel Butler School.
0: What were some of the, uh, the kids that you grew up with and the relationship that you had with them and you know, life sort of within the neighborhood as you were growing up?
1: Right. Um, well, I grew up on Alma Avenue, uh, which was walking distance to the school, of course, and there were no rides, parental rides. We walked uh, through all kinds of uh, weather. And uh, there were the Atwaters across the street and the Ketties next door and the Robinsons and then the big Conway family up the street. Um, and then there was a lovely elderly lady, Miss Ames, who lived next door and uh, we would go next door and play Scrabble with her on a rainy day. Um, there was the Joseph Stein family. There's the well-known Stein Music Festival that's uh, held in town every year. And the Stein family lived up at the corner of Belmont Street and Alma Avenue and uh, his uh, children and I would play together. And just coincidentally, two years ago, my granddaughter who takes piano lessons had the opportunity to play at the Stein Music Festival. So it was uh, kind of nice uh, for that to turn around. But as far as uh, friends, again, it was uh, Janice Tuttle and Bartlett Ave. And uh, the Sarahs and Deandrea family were girlfriends, Gracie and uh, Angela, and we were all friends right up through high school. Did you
0: have a a sense when you were walking back and forth to school uh, of any safety concerns? Uh, You you, you said you used to walk back and forth with your friends. Was there any concern about uh, danger on the streets or or people around that might be threatening? uh, how How would you say your parents responded to your walking back and forth to school versus you know, it in our present yeah, state.
1: wasn't given a second thought. Right. We just uh, either walked alone, it didn't matter if we had somebody to walk with, but many times we would walk alone uh, back and forth. It just uh, wasn't, wasn't a thought. And talk about safety or concerns, when I would start walking up Gilbert and Hammond Road to the junior high uh, with my girlfriend, Janice, on a very nasty, snowy day, Again, we never got rides. Mr. Gerard Kelly, the assistant principal of the junior high, would pull up in his car, roll the window down, and said, would you girls like a ride? And we'd hop in the car and take, have a ride to school. Who thought anything of that?
0: How about the sociology of the neighborhood? You mentioned it was mostly uh, Italian. Um, did you have any sense of, as an Armenian being, the outsider, uh, how did how did you deal with the, the Irish, the Italian, the, the, the mixed neighborhood, the diversity at that time?
1: I started to become aware of it when at the close of school, uh, once or twice a week, the children would line up for CCD. And there'd be one long line going to CCD with all the Roman Catholic children, mm-hmm. and there I was, you know, just by myself walking home. And that's when I started to realize that Well, I go to church at uh, St. James Armenian Church in Watertown, and already there was that that awareness.
0: Now, your dad's business, if I recall, was on the corner of uh, Jonathan and Belmont Street. Um, When did you become aware of what the business was and what your dad was doing for a living and how your mom was assisting your dad and... and that sort of whole relationship between business, neighborhood, and home?
1: My parents were proprietors of Belmont Cleaners and Tailors at the corner of Jonathan Street and Belmont Street, close to 25 years. And my grandfather owned that block of stores. Um, He founded the Belmont Provision Market in the early 30s. There was a barber shop and a, a, um, a shoe repair shop. Um and my mother would work behind the counter and my father would be in the back, you know, with the pressing machines and cleaning machines. And he, uh, unfortunately there was no air conditioning in that back section where he worked tirelessly. The air conditioning was only in the front area where the customers would come in. So I remember him going across the street to uh, your dad's, Spa Paul Spa, which was on the opposite corner of Jonathan Street right. and Belmont Street, where he would treat himself to a vanilla frapp, That's right. and uh, that was his refreshing treat each afternoon when he closed down the uh, hot pressing machines. Um, I don't remember when your dad closed his business, but all of a sudden we were still living on Alma Avenue. All of a sudden, one day he came through the front door with a frapp machine from the spa and some I felt like he came home with a million dollars it was like the biggest treat to, to have that frat machine you have it and we have it today my grandchildren look forward to it every summer when I pull it out and put it on the counter making fraps and we get together with um, Paul baggoian's Two children, Paul, who's sitting here as our interviewer, and his sister, Mary, um, Mary. Marilyn Papa- uh, Bogosian papasian And we get together annually to toast uh, our parents' businesses and enjoy the frats.
0: I'm looking forward to that.
1: And we're having it tonight.
0: What um, Your mother, obviously, was a role model for you, and you knew she worked very hard with your dad. Uh, Did you have a sense when you were growing up of the relationship between the two of them working within a business situation?
1: Uh, They were a team. They were a team, and uh, uh, she would be able to walk from Alma Avenue to the uh, Belmont uh, Cleaners uh, location, which was just a few blocks over, and uh, she would walk there and serve behind the counter and come back and uh, take me to piano lessons in Boston because she was uh, driving in those days, which a lot of my friends' parents' mothers did not drive, but she drove and would drive me into Boston to piano lessons faithfully for nine years. Um, but they were a team and uh, wonderful role model. How did, you, how did
0: you spend your normal day? When well, you're in school, elementary school, middle school, What would you do after school? How would you spend your time?
1: Um, Even though I loved sports, uh, playing at the school, after school, uh, when we'd play out on the street uh, with our neighborhood friends, we'd play baseball and hopscotch and kickball and dodgeball all the time. I was never in any really athletic program um, at the schools because I was into music. And as I said, for nine years, uh, my mother, drove me into Boston across Symphony Hall to take a lessons with Madame Um And uh, I took classical piano for nine years and just came home and would practice and play the piano. And ultimately became the organist um, at the St. James Armenian Church for over 30 years, at, starting at 19 years old. And now for the last 22 years, I'm organist at St. Stephen's Armenian Church in Watertown Mass as well. Paul, Paul I
2: can testify to the fact that um, I don't know if it's politically correct to say this, but she doesn't throw like a girl. She had uh, an older male cousin who, who used to teach her to pitch, and she, to this day, throws a pretty good baseball.
1: I loved, I loved sports, but, again, music was the priority. And um, my mother was an organist, back to asking about, you know, role model, She was the organist at St. James Arminian Church for close to 50 years. And so it just uh, all fell into place.
0: What uh, what drew you to this distinguished gentleman to your left here, who later became your husband? How did you meet, and how did you get together? And uh, what was the courtship like in Belmont and Watertown, and the dating situations in those days in the fifties uh, and sixties?
2: Well, I, want me to answer that? Sure, you can go answer
0: ahead.
2: Miriam's um, grandfather had a house at Revere Beach, up near Point of Pines. And my mother would once in a while on a Saturday take us up to the beach, and of course, the parking is impossible, right. so we would always be able to park in Sarkis Boyagen's backyard because right. my parents knew her parents way back when we were little, what I'm saying, nine, ten years old, and would be, you know, playing on the beach together. But, um, and we were also members of the church youth group at St. James and Watertown, um, but, and which really made the Belmont Watertown thing not a a big deal because there's only one Armenian church and you know, it encompasses a lot of the communities. But our, our first real date was my senior prom. I invited her to the senior prom and she was, she tells me that she was shocked that I asked her to go. But, uh, but we had double dated the year before. She mm-hmm. with a friend of mine and me with a different girl on my junior prom. So <laughs> that was
0: sort of the beginning of that thing. So you evolved into making the right decision at the right time. Uh, what were you, growing up in Watertown? What were your observations of Belmont? And we used to come into Belmont. What would you see? Well, you
2: know, to be I lived almost on the, you know, 150 yards from Belmont Street. So to me, the block of stores between um, Stultz Road and going down to uh, where Handy Spar is today was that was our playground. I can remember going into McPherson's store there when we were playing cops and robbers and. Um, he, he would keep a bag full of dirt, which we claimed was gold dust, underneath the counter so we could come in and rob him from time to time. Uh, I remember <laughs> running around on the roofs of those stores. Um, wow. And talk, talk. Th- my father, every day, walked to that corner uh, to um, the Delicatessen there. Um, Oakley. Oakley, at Oakley Delicatessen, which was owned by Marky e. Markarian and then Arsen mm-hmm. Arsenian, et cetera, and um, got his ride to work in Waltham. So... And, that was a, it was an interesting meeting place. The police officers had breakfast there. Um, with, your, with your, There, con- there was a payphone on the wall, and the wives used to leave messages for their husbands to pick up things to bring home when they came home. But my very first recollection of Belmont was right. a police officer by the name of Bill Schultz. Um, I had walked around the block from Windsor Ave to School Street to mm-hmm. Belmont Street, and I was sitting there crying, and he came Four over. Four years old. And, And I told him I was lost. And he said, well, where do you live? And I told him, Windsor Avenue. He said, it's right here. And I said, no, I walked a long way and I'm lost. So he literally physically picked me up under his arm and took me home, kicking and screaming, and dumped me in my kitchen and said, take him, he's yours. But that was my first recollection. And I I knew Bill Schultz for many, many years after that. He was a, a great, great gentleman and a wonderful representative of Belmont's finest
0: that's a wonderful story. Growing up in Watertown, though, that you have a certain image of what Belmont was like, or was it like the other side of the tracks? I mean, there was always the Belmont Watertown Thanksgiving rivalry, of course, and going to Watertown High School. That that your contemporaries, if not yourself, have a different image of Belmont. And uh, uh,
2: I don't, I don't, rem- you know, I, other than the football game, I don't remember, you know, much. Said uh, because we had friends through mm-hmm. church in, in, in both mm-hmm. communities, so I went to as many teenage parties in Belmont as I did in yeah. Watertown. Yeah. Um, of course, when we all went to Buttricks and Arlington, the Belmont kids, the Watertown kids, and the Arlington kids all had a park in different yeah. different yeah. sections. Yeah. But that was, I think, more of a tradition thing yeah. than a, than any kind of uh, uh, feeling of, uh, you know.
1: Mm. Why don't you um, tell, uh, talk about the businesses on the uh, town line yeah, so that I, you I, remember?
2: Well, I, as I, I mentioned, the delicatessen. Um, my father would get there so early in the morning, and Arsene, Arsene could never get the place open in time to get the breakfast ready. So my father would go to Henry's Bakery on the next block and pick up the pastry That's for sure. the delicatessen yeah. and bring it over and put it into the containers on the counter for the yeah. people coming in to get their breakfast in order to speed, uh, speed up the process of getting breakfast served. Right. And even... 40 years later when I would meet my dad there periodically after I was married and working to have breakfast with him. uh, It was always an adventure because the chief of police would be in there and a couple of police officers and the editor of the paper and things. And It was Mm -hmm. like my father was sort of like the mayor of the corner and he would literally throw somebody off of their stool and say get out and make room for my son to have breakfast with me today and so they, they would just get up and leave and, and watching the Memorial Day parade was watching it at the corner of Windsor Avenue and Belmont Street yeah. and we to this day we still meet neighbors from Windsor Avenue and come down to watch the 10-minute Belmont Memorial Day parade go by. Yeah.
1: And Shaw Drug was at a different location. Shaw sure
2: Drug was on the corner opposite corner That's where right. the bride shop is, and there was a bowling alley down below, a six-lane That's right. bowling alley. That's right. And you couldn't get in there unless you were 18 years old. That's I guess right. bad things happened in bowling alleys in those days. But uh, we used to lie down on the sidewalk and peek in through the window to see the older people Bowling
0: and the bowling alley. I, I still remember the apple turnovers at Henry's Bakery. They were mm. so great. Mm. When, when you would go out on a date with Marion, would you use any of the uh, the buildings or any of the recreational opportunities in Belmont? Or do you remember any of the uh, going to Belmont Center and? seeing what Belmont was like in the 60s or 70s? Well,
1: I never ventured over to the center. I was more um, familiar with Cushing Square growing up. Um, The Studio Theater, of course, was a landmark and still is. And I remember in the 50s going to the Studio Theater with my grandmother to see Elvis Presley movies for 25 cents. That's right and then there was the Underwood pool and that again you know we took our daughters there i swam there as a, as a as a young girl as well and at the time when i was swimming there as a young girl the girls swam 1 hour and the boys swam another hour there was never a coed that goes along swimming. with
2: the boys and girls entrances to the middle school
1: well mm-hmm. yeah we'll get to that we haven't got to the middle school yet and i
2: remember sneaking into the underwood school underwood pool um, we had a good, very close family friend that lived on Bacon Street in Belmont, and yeah. we would go down and give that address and that's, mm-hmm. tell them that's where we lived, and we would sneak into the Underwood Pool as well.
0: So, mm-hmm. when well, you mentioned middle school. It wasn't really middle school then. We used to call it the junior high. That's right. And yes. the junior high in those days was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. So elementary school was the first sixth grades, and seventh, eighth, and ninth, and then we'd go to high school you at know, the 10th grade. What do, you, what do you remember about junior high? This was the old junior high, uh, the one that the burnt old down. old
1: junior high. Well, Mr. Ventura uh, was the principal, and I already talked about Mr. Uh, Kelly, the assistant principal, picking us up on snowy days. Uh, but the girls had to take home economics to learn the basics of cooking and sewing, and the boys took woodworking. I also remember separate entrances, uh, not only at the pool swimming separate hours for girls and boys, but even at the junior high, the girls needed to enter the school Through one door and staircase, and the boys entered the school through another.
0: How did that affect you psychologically? Did you think about, well, the boys are so different than us, or that we need to be protected from them, or we're just different, or.
1: Never thought of Never thought about about one thing or the other. Never questioned and never thought anything about it. You just just accepted. Did as you were told. You accepted authority. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> How did the boys and girls dress in those days versus, say, the contemporary students? Do you have any observations on that?
1: Well, we, uh, there was no such thing as shorts or slacks for the girls. We were always in skirts and dresses. And um, there was no such thing as jeans or sneakers. We wore shoes.
0: Was it sort of an official dress code or was it sort of unofficial, just uh, social uh, unofficial acceptance? Social
1: yeah. acceptance, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah.
0: How about the uh, the language and the, uh, the the social etiquette and the mores of young people in those days versus what you see around today? Do you have any thoughts on that? I used to, t- yeah.
2: You know, I, I think everything was more, a, bit, a lot more civil. I can remember, you know, even in Watertown, being told after arriving at school, soaking wet, having walked to school in a storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you go home and change and put on some dry clothes Mm -hmm. and and they were concerned that I would get sick and I said well if I walk home and come back I'll be twice as wet as I am now Mm -hmm. Um, but you know it was um, it it was totally different Um, she used to tell me about Dr. Betancourt, the driver's ed teacher. That's right, I remember that. Who would have the kids in the car and then swing by his house to run to an errand. pick up the mail. Exactly, and pick well, up, pick the, up mail. the
0: mail. I remember that
1: vividly. You do, okay. yes. Yeah, we just, the house. And we didn't sit in the car, we all went in the house, and That's he right. like went through his mail.
2: You went to um, your Latin teacher's oh, house. yeah,
1: well I haven't got to high school yet, but yeah, um, yeah very memorable teacher. But I mean, as a, as a
2: former assistant superintendent of schools, you know, this was unheard of, I mean, going to a teacher's home on a Saturday to have hot chocolate and read poetry. I mean, today we would say, are you kidding? Don't don't even go near that idea. I
1: think smoking was the biggest offense, you know, if somebody got caught in junior high or high school. That was it.
0: Yeah, I remember the, uh, the nasty boys playing cards and smoking underneath the trees at Pequasset, and that was about it.
1: That's about it. As
0: we were playing our pickup baseball games and tennis and what have you.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Tell me about the adjustment of going from the junior high into high school, what that was like and how you felt about that.
1: Um, Again, I I don't even remember it being an issue, the transition, Uh, I attended the old high school on Orchard Street. uh, so I, uh, where,
2: the Wellington School is. where the
1: Wellington School is today, that's right. And the principal was uh, Mr. Higginbottom. And uh, I, my favorite teacher was Marion Sturwald because I took four years of Latin with her. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she would have toga parties at her house. And we'd go just to her house and have toga parties as part of Latin Club. Um, and I also remember Miss Orion Haller, uh, she was 11th grade English teacher and uh, she really, I think, was outstanding, teaching us excellent study habits and writing skills and the love of literature. And I didn't really appreciate the education I was getting till I went to college. And I started to see around me in freshman year how prepared I was for college compared to uh, my peers. To the point where, at the end of the freshman year, out of a class of 700, we were down to 350. Mm-hmm. They dropped out. Mm-hmm.
0: The, uh, what was the, 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 uh, the social life like at Belmont High in those days? Uh, what would you do for recreation? Uh, what were the, uh, the social situations like?
1: Um, I, I sang in the Glee Club with Dr. Mr. Howard Nettleton, and so that just seemed to bring a lot of us together our love for singing and being in the Glee Club, and then we would do lots of competitions, uh, going to other communities to uh, compete. I I just remember that. And then there was the Belmontian Club uh, that I was involved in, uh, which did a lot for community service. So, again, it was wonderful, happy, happy years.
0: Ed and Marianne, when you were growing up in the 50s and 60s, we were always uh, under the threat of uh, possible nuclear war. Was there any... uh, thoughts on on your part as to the outside world and the dangers of the outside world? How aware of you what was happening uh, politically, geopolitically, economically with the greater world growing up in the Eisenhower period and Kennedy period, etc.? Well, we didn't have instant information
2: and information overload. I mean, I think the biggest update we got was uh, going to the movies on Saturday and seeing the newsreel before the double feature and and that was stuff that happened probably two weeks you know prior to that date. Um, I, although I, I I I recently commented to somebody it was always amazed me that we could get the news at night from John Cameron Swayze in 15 minutes, including time for him to sell a Timex watch, and That's we right. didn't need nine people uh, telling us what they were going to tell us about and then never get to it. Um, yeah. uh, so I'm a little bit frustrated. Uh, but you know, today we're bombarded. We, you know, mm-hmm. things, before things happen, practically we're, we're getting it on our iPhones and that kind of thing.
1: I remember in uh, junior high in science class, uh, Sputnik was the big news of the day. October the, 4, 1957. Okay, my birthday. So okay. I. Remember uh, and the race, the race uh, into space, and how concerned um, the United States was, and uh, we started to step up. Uh, the instruction uh, talking about S- Sputnik and science and Russia in science class. That and,
2: was, and I think my, my grandkids would be appalled to think that we had 300 kids in the gymnasium at junior high school watching Queen Elizabeth's coronation on a 19-inch television. Uh, you know, this is would be, uh, but that's how those kind of events were were handled in those days. Uh, the the baseball game was you know, the box score in the newspaper or listen to it on the radio. Um, well, I scraped together a nickel to get into Fenway Park.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember what public transportation like was in, this, in the town in those days? How we used to get into Boston? Yeah. Double-ended streetcars. Double-ended yeah. streetcars. The
1: trolley. The trolley. The trolley, car. and um, what's, what stands uh, out in my mind is in uh, the 1963 was the debut of the movie The Cardinal. Mm-hmm. And it was filmed in Belmont in the uh, early 60s. And that was, I know there's lots of movies being made in Massachusetts today, but that was such a big deal that Tom Tryon That's and right. John Saxon and Carol Lindley were all coming to that strip of land mm-hmm. uh, where the trolley ran between Brigham's right. in front of Oakley Country Club down to like School Street as they were photographing them on the trolley, having their discussion with the homes in the background. That was such. Remember that
0: Otto uh, Preminger director that Otto film. Pirminger. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you remember um, some of the other social occasions that the two of you shared together, type of experiences you had uh, as you were right before you got married, just married afterwards. With the other young people in Belmont and
1: tennis, tennis, tennis. We, uh, uh, I, I took lessons from Claire McDonough, who was a wonderful uh, instructor, and met a lot of people in town uh, that way. And uh, we would play doubles uh, with friends. Yeah, we in had town. some. We
2: had some neighbors that moved here from Brazil, and they decided we should all take tennis lessons together. We did, and and, and um, very bad tennis players. And and then next thing I know, I'm in the t- Towns men's doubles tennis <laughs> tournament with Ari Rainsford from Brazil. Uh, we didn't win a point. Uh, we were blown out of there in about 20 minutes. And uh, but I gave Ari a giant trophy to take back to Brazil with him to say that we were runner-up to the tournament. There were only two, fours, two twosomes in it, so we were the runners-up. Um, but it, it the socially uh, uh,
1: probably all started when we had children. Yeah. Well,
2: even before that, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, as teenagers, they were you know different parties and different people that we knew in town that we we attended uh.
1: right but we became more active in the town after the birth of our two daughters Krista and Karen Uh, Krista now works for Citizens Bank and lives in Watertown and Karen lives uh, on Barnard Road and I'd like to talk about the house at Barnard Road uh, soon Uh, but in any case uh, we became involved with them with PTA ed coach soccer Uh, the Parents of Music Group at uh, Belmont High School. I was on the Um, committee
2: to decide whether we were gonna keep the Kendall School open or the Burbank School. Um, We kept the Burbank open, of course, and the Kendall soon thereafter burned down. Um, Speaking of burned down, when our kids were getting ready to go to elementary school, I called the school department and said, could you tell me if they go to Payson Park or Burbank? And they said, we've never had a child in any of the houses from Washington Street to Elizabeth Road, they were all houses built in the 50s. By original All original original old Italian owners. And um, so they said, you guess you can go to either one. And the following night, the Payson Park School burnt down and took care of that situation. So Um, off to
1: Burbank they went? Off
2: to Burbank they went. Mm -hmm. But Uh, Belmont has a history of burning their schools down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Had to mention that. Tell me a little bit about the various houses that you lived in and what you remember, and how did you get by without a TV in every room?
1: That was uh, such a big deal when uh, my uncles first got a little five-inch screen TV. Um, We lived in a two-family on Alma Avenue. I was downstairs at 40, and my uh, mother's brother's family, Andrew Boyajian's family, was upstairs and they got this little five-inch television and that was such a big deal to go up and, and watch that TV. Um, but after, uh, when I was in high school, we moved up to Winter Street, uh, to 123 Winter Street. And again, wonderful neighbors up there, the Rossbergs Nybergs, Papas, uh, who were all original owners, had built their homes up there. Um, but I'd like to talk about a little bit about Bonnet Road, uh, because when my grandparents, Sarkis and Mary Boyajian, came to Belmont in 1930, they bought uh, a two-family home on Bonnet Road, 27 and 29, and uh, it was only uh, owned one year by Reverend Sullivan and his wife. So uh, they bought the house after uh, one year uh, old, and. We still have the house in the family. We have five generations now having lived there. My uh, married daughter, Karen, and her husband, Paul Lilla, and our two grandchildren, Mariana and Damien Lilla, uh, live at Bonded Road today. So they're the fifth generation there.
2: We lived there for-
1: We lived there when we were seven, first married.
2: Three years when we first married, 1968. Yeah.
1: My parents sold the Winter Street house and moved back to Bonded Road in their retirement. My grandparents lived there, we lived there. So,
0: hmm.
1: And our children were born there.
0: Now, now, your parents, like my parents, went through the depression and also World War II. Do you remember any of their stories of your their parents and, and how that might have affected you, or as far as your own values and your own thinking about life?
1: Uh, The block of stores that uh, my grandfather Sarkis Boyajin owned on Belmont Street, uh, there was the Belmont Provision Market. He was the proprietor and his two sons, Andrew and Charles Boyajin, operated the business. And my mother, as a single lady, worked behind uh, the register and counter. Well, again, this was during the uh, Depression, the war years of the 40s, and uh, she was dating uh, my father and the customers felt sorry for my parents Uh, not being able to go out on a date because of the gas rationing. So they would give them some of their gas ration stamps or whatever the coupons were so that they could go out on a date. Uh, My mother also remembers how short uh, the supplies were in the store, very scarce. And uh, one day uh, someone knocked over the bin of onions and there was a scrambling of customers on the floor to grab an onion because that's how you know, scarce things were.
0: Hmm. Did you have a uh, did you have a perspective or a sense about the specialness of growing up in Belmont versus perhaps uh, others that you met when you were in college or as you moved around in your life? Did you did you have a sense that yeah I was fortunate to grow up in Belmont and here's why or did you feel that Belmont provided you with a difficult uh, environment to grow up in?
1: Uh, a very safe, friendly, warm, happy environment. Um, Again, the uh, business on Belmont Street, uh, the dry cleaning business of my father and the market of my uncles, uh, they did a lot of deliveries. Delivery was just an automatic thing and you would just ride around with them delivering the groceries to customers and getting to know everybody uh, around town and my father would deliver the dry cleaning close to certain customers, and I would ride around with him and meet and talk to people. So that's just the way it was.
0: Mm. Do you think that uh, growing up in in Belmont provided you with certain advantages and and certain uh, ideas about what the the world is really like? Or do you feel that it was sort of an artificial, uh, um, almost like a closed environment, which made it difficult for you to understand how people uh, grow up in other areas of the world?
1: Uh, that's
2: I don't think you, you, you realize not, that until mm. you yourself go to other areas of the world or travel to the, you know, you drove to Florida as a child and experienced segregation uh, and, and black-and-white mm. drinking fountains and food places as you drove through at seven Georgia years and that old. Kind of, right, at seven years right. old.
1: That was an eye-opener.
2: Um, and years later you experienced that when we were in uh, Tennessee and Alabama at one time, um, uh, and, and you heard various conversations going on there. Uh, on the other hand, we've been in all 50 states and uh, there are parts of the country that, you know, that used to be so different, not only geographically, but because of their foods, or their cultures, or their uh, activities. And today, that's all blurred. You know, you, you know you can pick you, I can pick you up, Paul, and drop you any place in the United States, blindfolded, and you're gonna see the same chain stores, the same thing, and everything else. So, so we've lost a lot of that unique era, um, geographical culture. So I don't think Massachusetts was any different, more parochial, probably, than the rest of the, the country, as they say.
0: We're doing this interview in the Claflin room, uh, the Belmont Historical Society room at the, at the Belmont Library. Uh, Do you have any other uh, events in your life that you'd like to relate to, anything that was memorable, anything that was striking, that uh, affected you and helped shape you to be the wonderful person you are today? Oh,
1: (laughs) I I remember vividly uh, coming to the Claflin Room in 2002 to donate uh, a clip of my mother's Super 8 movies that she would take um of our childhood uh around town because uh there was an article in the belmont paper um, by a resident uh claiming that there was no such thing as blocking off streets so that children could coast down the hill uh on the on their on their street and so my mother had a beautiful clip from her super 8 movies that ed converted to video and we came here and we donated it and I wrote a little um, column to the Belmont paper saying that I do remember and have proof right. that there would be a sign. The the town would come around and put signs at the top of the hill saying saw-hosses, "closed yeah. for coasting" right. with sawhorses blocking Jeanette, Frederick Street, because yeah. we that time we thought they were big hills big hills yeah. <laughs> and they would again come from all around to come coasting you know yeah. on a, coasting on there and
0: coasting at oakley country club remember that oakley going country over those clubs yeah and then
1: having uh, hot chocolate at, at uh, brigham's. brigham's brigham's that's right afterwards which is now the current uh, location of Moosey's ice cream
2: that's right exactly i mean i lived on a big hill yeah right on the belmont line and i don't think there were Out of 50 kids that lived on that street when I was young, I don't think there were four parents that drove to work. They all walked either the Belmont or the Watertown car line. And so the cars didn't drive on the street in the winter, so the snow lasted. They didn't plow it, so uh, snow lasted forever, and the coasting was there. Dangerous coming up to Belmont Street, but other than that... uh Mm.
1: I'd like to um, talk a little bit, just point out also some of the businesses that were in Cushing Square at the time. Um, I took ballet dance lessons from Miss Janet's studio, which was in Cushing Square, the site of um, where the Christian Science Reading Room was. And um, there's like a little Jenny Boston boutique there now. Uh, But that was very popular. And then there there was the Five and Ten? Well, the Five and Ten, of course. But at least we still have. Yeah. That site operating as such. Right. But we had a department store, Conrad and Chandler's, in Cushing Square, the site of uh, where uh, the spirited gourmet is today. That's right. It, it turned into in a the, Masonic masonic temple. Masonic
2: yeah. temple. Masonic, but that
1: department store just served us so well for uh, all our needs. And there was the Belmont Pet Shop right. uh, on the same side of the street and the Yankee Dollar Chinese restaurant that I would uh, go to with my grandmother for lunch. And um, uh, what and else? Even, the town. And even shop I and ventured
2: it? into Cushing Square because the Belmont Town Shop for Men, exactly. which was a uh, haberdashery, right. uh, they also handled all of these supplies for the Boy Scouts mm-hmm. and Cub Scouts uh, for uniforms and badges and things. And I actually went to Cub Scouts at the Payson Park School because we had no Cub Pack mm-hmm. at our school in Watertown mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Um, but coming to the Town Shop for Men was. Uh, place you went to go get your hats and neckerchiefs and all that kind of thing.
1: And then there was Greer's Seafood. That's right. Which was the site of the Tropello Road Dunkin' Donuts uh, today. And again, every Friday we would go there before I was married with my parents and then with Ed to get our takeout fish and chips. That's
2: right. right. Even though we're not Roman Catholic, we had Christian chips every Friday every night. Every Friday was <laughs> fish day. <laughs> yeah, it was That's fish right. day, I exactly. day.
0: Exactly, exactly. And right. then there
1: was the all the drugstores. Uh, there was mm-hmm. the Kalala Drugstore at the corner of Bartlett Ave. Um, I don't know if you remember that, Paul.
0: The Palfrey Pharmacy. There were four. Was there a Palfrey there was Pharmacy? Was that
1: uh, what it was called? Uh, Palfrey? I think it was the Palfrey Yeah, pharmacy. Palfrey Pharmacy. But there were
0: four, four drug stores in yeah. Cushing, Cushing Square. Square a Payson,
1: Batson's. Yeah. yeah. Coming back
0: from middle school, I remember uh, stopping at the Palfrey Pharmacy for our raspberry lime rickies. Remember mm-hmm. raspberry lime rickies? Mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, Exactly.
2: And we had the best hardware store in the United States at Oaks Hardware in Waverly Square. Right. Uh, I could go there looking for the most strange item, and he would say, "One minute, please," and disappear into the basement and come back upstairs dusting the dust off of this thing. And you know, did you had what you needed? I very upset when they closed the uh, mm-hmm. Oaks Hardware. Do
0: you remember the cars that you had in those days and the transportation?
1: A running board on the old Ford my mother had. I remember that running board. the, they maroon. Never to, yeah, the maroon? Yeah, Ford. Yeah.
2: I've been my first. My father's first car I remember was a thirty-seven Buick, mm-hmm. and um, I remember it rolled out of the driveway and smashed into this big tree. And the tree had a little bump in it, and the car had no damage at all. Even my mother just backed it back into the driveway, mm. but um, we could run right over the top of that car, and it wouldn't even dent. Um, <laughs> but we, our parents actually had matching 60 Chevys, I think, at one time. Yeah, the Chevy Impala. Chevy Impalas at one time.
0: Yeah. What what were families like in those days, and how would you characterize sort of the growth of families and the, the social mores and relationships within families from the time that we grew up versus what it's like today?
2: Well, we both had the experience. My grandparents lived with us in our two family, and her grandparents lived in the Initially right in the same home and then right on the next street over, but they were mm-hmm. together all the time and it was uh, it was like Sunday you were going to be at your grandparents and you're going to have chicken and rice well, fill, was a a fill was Every, it. everything
1: was closed everything yeah. was closed and you spent Sunday with the family
2: yeah right. it's, it, and it was totally different my father never saw me play high school athletics because the games were after school and he worked. And he didn't get to those games. Uh, I've probably been to more Sunday morning, Saturday night games with my grandchildren. You know, uh, and today we those games take place. You know, exactly. There's not there's nothing sacrosanct about not having games on a holiday or an evening or a weekend or a Sunday or anything like that.
1: I can't remember too many uh, restaurants in town either. You never really went out to eat at a a restaurant outside of Dom's Pizza Pizza in Waverly Square or this Yankee Dollar Chinese restaurant. Um, But we like to support the uh, Belmont restaurants and businesses of today. It's just... uh, uh, important that and, we and support. And there's more
0: of them to do that. There's more relatives. of them
1: to do that. We uh, we like to go to Savino's and Vicki Lee's and Aram's Cafe and uh, and also support the businesses. We just think that's important.
0: What how the relationship that the citizens had to the Belmont Town government when we were growing up in the '50s and '60s? Do you see a difference today um, as to um, how we approach government and? Uh, any changes or any recommendations that you would like to say that uh, I remember when I did my interview initially they said well what would you like to see Belmont would be like in five years or ten years or anything like that do you have any thoughts on that
2: you know we when we first moved here you had um, Selectman it had been Selectman for 30 years and Dick Betts and that was about the he was the town engineer he was the town historian he was the town everything he even surveyed he surveyed, uh, our property. surveyed our property yeah, when we needed to out. be surveyed um but it, it was it was a it was a simpler way of doing things and um we had, you had a superintendent of schools who ran the school system as opposed to um, and the school committee was as they were supposed to be a committee of setting policy dr. today McGrath. everybody's involved right. in everything Um uh, dr McGrath. To, to almost almost too much as town meeting members uh, we're both town meeting members and uh, we get to sit through hours and hours of town meetings and um, town meeting 50 years ago was one night uh, Not several nights of long debates and that kind of thing, but th- that's not gonna that that's a function of How things have just changed, you know throughout the you know, We won't even talk about what's going on currently in the presidential debates, you know
0: So you think the sociology of the town has changed in the last 20 or 30 years?
2: I think, how do I say this delicately? Um, we had an old friend by the name of Joe, Joe Ananian who uh, lived in Belmont. He was a car salesman um, from Myrac Chevrolet in Arlington. And Joe used to introduce himself and say, my name is Joe Ananian, no good Belmont Armenian, because there were only a handful of Armenians in Belmont in those days. And um, he used to get teased out of the fact that he, snuck across the border and, and now I'm one of those people that snuck across the border yeah. to live in, in Belmont but it I, I, it's um the town has always been a, a, a good melting pot I mean if you when I she, she tells me about all of her friends and things from Butler in the high school and everything it's it was uh, like the United Nations and it mm-hmm. and it today it's uh, more so but maybe with a flavor of Cambridge mm.
0: Marianne do you have any uh, concluding remarks? You have some thoughts?
1: Um, there was always a Jewish temple in town, you know, so again, it was a melting pot, and we were very aware of other cultures and religions. And um, I found when I went to college, sometimes people are not quite as uh, fortunate fortunate as that mm-hmm. to uh, have had that uh, broadening. Um, we love living in Belmont be- also because, for all the reasons that we've stated, but also the proximity to Boston were... We're in Fenway Park and Symphony Hall and the Theater District uh, quite a bit. Uh, Logan Airport, because we do a lot of traveling. Um, and the Senior Center is, is a wonderful gem. It's a wonderful gem and I'm starting to enjoy programs there and I uh, go weekly to Mahjong um, and uh, play Mahjong there. And then uh, for the 100th anniversary of the uh, Armenian Genocide last year, we were invited to do a presentation at the Senior Center. Um, on our trips to historic Armenia, present-day Turkey.
2: Because your father was a genocide survivor as well as my mother.
1: Right, right. And uh, we had over 100 people there interested in the talk, and uh, it was was quite an honor to be able to do that.
2: As far as Belmont in five years, um, hopefully we'll have uh, the high school replaced, renovated, remodeled, whatever the committee comes up with. Hopefully we'll get this library renovated, remodeled, whatever they're going to do here. Um, Hopefully we'll get uh, the police station, uh, uh, a habitable police station, and uh, same with the public works garage. But to do that is gotta be a lot of money. And and, um, the, the town, as witnessed by the fiasco we've had for seven or eight, nine years in Cushing Square, has got to get over this mental picture of the town of homes and start realizing they need to develop some tax base and um, and it got limited land to do it on, but every time a piece of land comes up to do something, uh, it seems that uh, it can't be used for development and I think that's unfortunate.
0: Well, Marianne and Ed, thank you very much for your time. This has been an excellent interview, and it's going to be marvelous for your children and your grandchildren to someday take advantage of Belmont Media and uh, and listen in. This has been very informative, I think, for all of us. Thank you. We appreciate your time,
1: and we're honored to be here.